Man, what a great scripture today. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll begin with verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. And your Bible, it's a, if you've got a black pew Bible, it's page 1139. Man, may we all just really understand what this is saying. This is so, so good. And if you've been born again, please listen. This is good. Beginning in verse 12. For just as the body is one, has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on, and on those parts of the body, we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, given greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. First Corinthians chapter 12. We're, we're going to do a little something different today. It's been different already, but our teaching time is going to be a little bit different too. Uh, I'm going to end up being all over the place, and that's not really what we do here. That's not our, our, um, that's not our default mode or what we normally do, but we're going to start here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Talk about the church and, and why being a part of a church is so, so important. 
I've shared this story with our church family. Some of you haven't heard this, but when I got married, I was bound and determined I was going to be the best husband that I could be. And I still, I haven't given up on that ambition, um, but I've recognized that, that marriage is a tool the Lord used to sanctify us. It's like being put on the anvil, right? And being made into the image of Christ. And the Lord uses our, our, our spouses to help us with that. Uh, I'm not seeking to be the, to get husband of the year. That's, that's not my ambition. My ambition is to be most improved every year, right? And to prove my zeal, when I was first married, I decided to go with my newlywed wife to shop and help her pick out a dress. I was young. Jerry, don't laugh at me. I was young, brother. Naive. I didn't know. I didn't know. And we went shopping. She had just come back from China, and she didn't have a lot of clothes. We had a dinner party to go to, and so she needed a little dress, and so we went and found one. The first store we went to, we found a dress. Uncle, just like that. Not only was it on sale, but she looked fabulous in it. It's like, oh, I wanted to buy it. Let's get it. Let's get it and let's go. Oh, no. No, no, no. It don't work like that, boys. Jenny thought it best to look at another store and then another store and then another and another and another Three hours later, we walked back to the first store, picked out the dress that I wanted to buy three, three and a half hours prior, and we bought that dress. So I repented of my stupidity and vowed never to do that again. <laughs> and Jeff, because I'm a committed follower of Jesus, I persevered in that commitment, and I don't shop with my wife. And to make matters worse, my sweet bride the next day decided that she didn't really like that dress as much as she thought, and she took that joker back. Um, so I found out right then my wife has a, 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 she suffers from yes anxiety. So she has a hard time sometimes committing to something, and not to the church, and not to me, not to the Lord, but uh, when she's making a purchase, she, has, um, she can be a little indecisive what she wants to get. But, you know, having a hard time making commitments is something that's pretty common in our culture today. It's kind of epidemic, and, and I'll illustrate that as I've done previously. Some of you know where I'm going with this probably, but I really need somebody to help me here at the church. We have a lot um, or some work to be done, some things to organize. So Thursday night I need some help if I could get a few of you to come on Thursday night and help me this Thursday. So what I want you to do right now is, is to stop, kind of stop and capture your thoughts. If I say, hey, I need some help on Thursday night, we're going to have like a work time, work, you know, a work few hours, not a work day after work to organize a few things, get a few things done around the church. What are your thoughts? Now, this is what just happened. As I said, yeah, we're going to have a work day or work time at the church on Thursday night. Some of us just ignored that plea outright. It just kind of went over us because maybe that's just, we just, we don't really do that. We're not really um, here um, often enough or 
we're not a part of the fellowship enough to have uh, to commit to anything like that, like a work day or work time or, or whatever. And then there's people on the other side of the spectrum. So when I say something about Thursday, we're going to have a work time at the church, then some of you, you're actually looking either trying to get your spouse's attention, you know, like, are we free, you know, or you're looking at your, in your, in your um, calendar to see if you have that time available. And, and folks like, like Chris Wilkes would be that kind of guy. Blake would be that kind of guy. He's looking through there and seeing if he's going to be able to be here. So you have, you know, different thoughts going on. And then some of you um, were thinking something like this. Well, I'm Thursday night, I'm probably free. I typically don't have anything Thursday night, but who knows what may come up. You may get to ask to dinner, or you may have to work over, or you may have something to do around the house, but you just want to leave things kind of open just in case, right? And that, that's the attitude, I think, of most people in our culture uh, this day and time. Blaine Smith, he, he writes this book, and it's, it's called Yes, Anxiety, Taming the Fear of Commitment in Relationships, Career, Spiritual Life, and Daily Decisions. And he points out that people are really afraid of committing to uh, things like a, a lifelong mate. They don't want to do that. They just rather shack up. Or a job. They'll commit to a job, but not for long term. So people are changing jobs pretty often. You know, you don't have too many people working and retiring from the same company these days. And it may be where you're, you're buying something, and what happens, you buy something, but then you oftentimes return it because... Um, you realize you really didn't want it. But we have commitment problems. Um, and it's not just non-believers. I think it, because of our culture, believers, we struggle with that as well. Um, in fact, you know, in years past, people kind of frowned on really big churches. You know, you have this really big church and you, just kinda, you just kind of get lost there. It's like, no, I want to go to a smaller church where people kind of know me. They know my name. They know what's going on in my life, those kind of things. But what's happened in our culture, we've kind of seen a shift. Now, we don't like the small church because there's, there's maybe too much accountability or people know you too well, right? You want to go to larger churches where there's some, um, you know, there's opportunities to hide, be anonymous. Maybe people want to ask too much of us. I think that's kind of what's happened. And, and even sometimes people think about church as, as kind of like a download or something that we stream. And I know that we have some people who are shut in or listening right now to our, uh, our, our church service. We're so thankful for that, them to be able to participate with us at 1030 on Sunday morning and to kind of keep up with what's going on here, teaching of the word. But that's not, that's not church, is it? That's not really church. And some of us, we're here every week, and we're, we're gathering together, and we're getting to know one another. And, and for some, you, you're here every Sunday, and you say, well, why do I need to be a part of a church like these four people did? Is that something I need to do? Why bother with that? Is that in, important? And I think maybe another way of asking that question is, is receiving people like officially into the church, you know, whether you call it membership, being a part of the church family, whatever, is that really biblical? And that's another question maybe you could ask, another way of asking that question. Is it important? Should we do that? But is it biblical? Because that's something we want to do. We want to be biblical, right? We're Christians. So, yeah, I want to follow the scriptures and submit to the authority of the word, and I want to do things uh, the way that they did in the Bible. Well, 
I think we'll, we'll look at that and, and try to answer that question. And in order to do so, we've got to define what, what it means by church. See, church is seen two different ways in the Scriptures, in the New Testament. You have the universal church, then you have a local church. And two, I want to point out that in the New Testament, the church is never referred to as a place, like a building, you know, like we kind of think of, I'm going to church, I'm going to the church. That's not what church means in the New Testament. But the New Testament uses church to refer to, firstly, the, the universal church. That's all the believers who's ever lived, um, who, who, all the people throughout history that's ever placed their faith and trust in Christ. That's the universal church. And we see examples of that in the Scripture, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. It says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, yeah, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's the universal church, right? There's one universal church, all the believers uh, of all the countries, of all the languages. We all are a part of the, the body of Christ, uh, the, the church. But there's also another use for it, and typically in the New Testament when, when church uh, the word church is used. It refers to a particular group of believers in a specific place. Colossians 4, 15. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in our house. Isn't that wonderful how big that font is? Isn't that just, that's delightful for people whose eyes are bad. That's awesome. So what, what, this is talking about the church specifically, right, in Nympha's house, right? 1 Corinthians 16, 19. The churches of Asia send you greeting. Aquila and Priscilla together with the church in their house send you hearty greetings of the Lord. So they're, they're, again, it's specific. You know, it's talking about a specific church in this meeting in a, in a house. So when we talk about the church, that's what we're referring to. Um, so every believer is a part of the universal church, but does that mean that believers should unite in some way to a local church? And I think, I think, yeah, I think it's important. I think it's helpful. Uh, and I want to I look at the scriptures and let's see that, see if I can't persuade you a little bit in that regard. Um, so what's the big deal with belonging to a church, being a part of a church family? Um, let's look. We, we've already read, Phil read for us, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Paul is addressing issues in the church and questions that the church has, and he's in the first part of chapter 12, he's talking about spiritual gifts and how we all as believers, we're, we're giving miraculously gifts to use within the church. And so the first point today in regard to church membership, being a part of a church family, in order to be part of a body of Christ, you have to be a member. So why is this important? I think it's important because you see that in Scripture. In order to be part of the body of Christ, you had to be a, a member. We, we read through this text, verses 12 through 26, and we see that uh, the body does not consist of one member but of many. So Paul gives us this word picture, doesn't he, of the body, just the physical body, and then you have the body of Christ. Just as the, the physical body, you have different parts of the body, and it mentions here in verse Verse 15, it mentions the hand. Verse 16, the ear and the eye. You have different parts of the body, but we're, we're all part of a single unit. One body, many members. 
And God, verse 18, has arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. In verse 20, there's many parts, yet one body. And it tells us that we can't say, you know, each of us as, as believers, we're part of a body. We can't say, well, you know, you're not a hand, we don't need you. You're not an eye, we don't need you. No, we're, we're all indispensable. We're all needed. And he tells us in verse 25 that there should be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another, this mutual care. So in order to have the same care, mutual care, you can't, that can't be given if you don't belong to a, a local fellowship. An ear can't function as it's supposed to apart from the body. And I think this, this body imagery implies that we need to be part of this, you know, a, a, a fellowship, a local church. I mean, to think about it, to lose a finger is to, to be what? Dismembered, right? That's not a good thing. No, that's a terrible thing. It's tragic, right? Um, in order for us to mutually care for one another, we have to belong together. We have to see ourselves as one body. Again, you've got the universal church, but we can't all meet together. So we meet together. We're meeting here on Holly Grove and Candy Lane as a group of people, believers, living our lives together, using our gifts, right, because we need it as a unified body, working together for the edification of one another, for the ultimate goal, of course, is to glory to Christ. The second reason I think being a part of a church is really important is it's uh, because you see church discipline in the scriptures. Hold your place there in 1 Corinthians. We'll try to come back there if time permits. But let's, let's flip over real quickly. Matthew chapter 18. Go left. Go left. Matthew chapter 18. Um, in the Pew Bible. It's page 979. So why is this being a part of a church? Why is that important? Well, you see... You see church discipline taking place. Verse 15, if your brother causes, or if your brother sins against you, you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the who? Church, church yeah. And if he refuses even to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So we see, um, tell it to the church. Let us know in, in the New Testament church, there, there was a sense of belonging. When you, you're part of a church, there was belonging there because there was, you kind of knew who was in and who was out, right? Who do you tell it to? You tell it to the church. Also, flip back there to 1 Corinthians. I told you to hold your place. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we also see that church membership is understood because disfellowshipping or excommunication existed. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And there was a, the problem, we were, many of you, we're familiar with that problem, right? There was some sexual immorality in the church that's, that, that needed to be dealt with. And so Paul tells them to deal with that issue. And look at verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 5. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy or the swindlers or the idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what, I have, what have I to do with judging outsiders? 
Is it not those inside the church who you're to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So what they're doing is they've, there's been where they've gone to this person who's not living like a believer. They're, they're living this heinous life. And so finally they're like, they're to be put out of the church. So there was a sense of belonging in the church. They knew who was in the church and those who didn't belong. And then when there's someone who says they're a believer, but they're living like a, a pagan, we see here that they're put outside the church. So there, there was a sense of belonging, and then people are, are, certain ones are put out of the church. So it's real important to be, to be involved in that body. Fourthly, and two, it's, it's interesting, uh, and we have people that come through our membership uh, dinner and, and, and take part in that, and they come out of that thinking, yeah, maybe, maybe it's not, now not the time to be part of the church, or maybe your church is not really for me. And that happens, that happens more regularly than you think. But what happens if, if, you, if, you just, if you're just a part of the church, you come and you're a part of the church, but you're not, you don't submit yourself to the authority of the church and say, hey, I want to be a part of the church family, then what happens is what we just read in 1 Corinthians 5 doesn't, doesn't exist. It doesn't happen for you and in your life. So what, what I'm saying is if you're a part of the church family and there's so many that are part of the church family or they're, they're a part, they come on Sunday morning, they participate in the, in the church activities. They're not officially a part of the church. But if something happens in your life and you go wayward, you haven't, you haven't given us the authority to do anything about it. But if you're a part of the church, what we've, one, one part of our, our covenant was saying we, we submit to the discipline of the church. We want you, if need be, to come after us, to discipline us, to deal with, help us deal with this sin in our lives. But if you're not a part of the church family, that won't happen because you haven't given us the, the right to do that. Okay? So there's, there's, there's benefits to being a part of the, the church family. Church membership is implied by the way we're told to submit to certain pastors. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So this writer of Hebrews and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they, they're writing to these believers, they had a shepherd. So which pastor do you submit to? Who's your shepherd? Maybe it's the pastor of the Church of the Nazarene or Munford Baptist or River of Life or First Assembly Covington. Or, but there, there, is a, there is this submission to pastors and who is your pastor? By having a specific pastor to submit themselves to implies they belong to a particular group of people, right? A particular group of believers. And it's interesting, I'll have people uh, call me um, the funeral home sometimes calls me and, and someone's passed away and they say, hey, he's, this person tells me that they want you to do their funeral and they, that you're their pastor. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, I'll do the funeral. I definitely will do it. Would love to. Um, but maybe it's somebody that I haven't seen or talked to in a really, really long time. You know? Church membership is inferred by the way the New Testament tells elders 
shepherds, pastors to shepherds their, shepherd their flock. So if I'm, I'm commanded by the Lord as a, as a pastor to shepherd the flock God has given me, I have to know who the flock is. Who is it that I'm to shepherd? Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Overseers, same for pastor. To care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2. So I exhort the elders, again, that's a pastor, among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And this is what's happened. Um, this has happened to me as I, um, as pastor of the church, you have somebody that's kind of uh, affiliated with the church somewhat. And this happened to me specifically. There was one person who was affiliated with the church. Well, he moved in with his, his fiance, but you know, they're not married yet. It's fiance. And so they, they're living together. So I'm kind of like going, Hmm, what do I do with that situation? And so I went to this person and said, do you love the Lord? He's like, oh, yeah, I love Jesus. I'm like, well, there's a problem. If you love Jesus, you're a follower of Christ, but yet you're living, you're not married, you're living with somebody, you're being sexually immoral. What's the Bible say about being sexually immoral? And we looked at that. And he's like, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. And he was just so thankful. I appreciate you caring for me. And he said, man, I know you love me and you, you caring for me. You, you, you're trying to do what's best for me. I was like, yeah, I, I do, you know, for you and for, for the, the Lord. His, his name's at stake. You say you're a believer, but yet, but yet nothing happened. You know, you call him to repentance and nothing happened. So I'm like, well, what do I do? You know, is he a part of the church or is he not? See, that's where it gets kind of muddy, Cindy. I really don't know. What, what do I do there? You know, is he a part of the church? Is he not? Do I go to him again or do I not? Or, you know, so it gets kind of, huh. So that's why it's important that we have at our church, we have people who say, yeah, I want to be a part of the church family. And this, this covenant is, I, I, every, all those things I believe, I, I, want to, I, want to, I need help following Christ. I want to be a part of helping other people follow Christ. And I'm, we're agreeing, we're having this covenant together that we're going to do this together. You're saying, I submit to the authority of the church. I submit to the pastor, the, the shepherds, the Lord's put here. And if, if I go wayward, I want the church, I need, I want, I want that because I, I could do that. And all of us should have that attitude. If you got this, no, I'll never do that. I'll never go wayward. Really? No, we should be, we should know that without God's grace, we're, there's no heinous sin that we're not capable of participating in and pursuing. So we need the church to help us with that if we do go wayward. So I think that's implied here in the scriptures, and we see that throughout these churches that are being addressed by Paul and other writers. Lastly, church membership is implied by the letters being written to the established churches where people belong. Now, some letters that Paul wrote, he wrote to Timothy, he wrote to Titus, Philemon, but by and large, his letters were written to who? 
to churches, yeah, to the church in Thessalonica, the church in Philippi, the church in Ephesus. There's groups of believers, right, in Corinth, in Colossae, in these different places that Paul had started these churches. We even see in Acts chapter 2 as, as the Spirit's being poured out and, and many, many people were being saved. It says in Acts 2.47 that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. But they had a sense of belonging there in Jerusalem. We're the church and we belong together. And here at our church, it's, it's, it happens like this. If you, if you want to be a part of a church family, you're like, hey, I, I want to I put down some roots here. I want to Kind of, I want to belong to the church. I don't want to just be a casual participant. I want to belong. Then let me know, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about your story and, and our story. And um, Of course, the church is for believers, right? And there's sometimes people come, and, and they'll say they want to be a part of the church, and as we talk about their story, and there's, there's, you're not real sure if they're a believer or not, and you're looking at their life, and there's not fruit in keeping with repentance, and so we, we kind of talk through that. But if you would like to be a part of the church in, in, a, in a committed way, I'd love to talk to you about that. And what we usually do after we, we, we talk about that and we feel like that you're, you know, you're a believer and, and you want to move forward with that, we do what's called a membership dinner. And that's where you usually come to our house. We eat dinner together. We talk about the church. We go through our church covenant. Uh, we talk about our creed, our per church polity, how we do business. Um, and it's time for you to answer or ask questions and, and, and also answer questions, right? Because it's not a come one, come all. You know, your church should never be like, man, we want to, whoever wants to come, we won't let them be a part. Well, that's not always wise, is it? Because some people maybe aren't believers or some people maybe they're wolves in sheep's clothing, right? We have to do a job of protecting the flock. But, um, and then after that process, if, if you want to continue to pursue that and we feel like that you would be a, you want to be a part of the church, or we feel like you're a believer and would um, could do life with us, and we, we do what we did today, and we kind of present that. But it's usually a long, slow process because we want to make sure you want to be a part and understand who we are. And But I think it's important in the New Testament to be a part of a church. And I know we have a lot of people, and we welcome everybody. We want any and everybody to come to our church, you know, Sunday morning, come to worship, participate in the things we, we have. But our desire also our desire also is for, for people to understand their gifting and be able to use their giftings. And to be honest with you, Sunday morning, and some of you are like, dude, gracious, this is my first time here. What are you doing? Get off my back, Pastor. No, what I'm saying is it, sometimes just being here casually, you can't use your gifts. Like, how many of you don't raise your hand? It's a rhetorical question. If your child don't know what rhetorical is, explain to them afterwards. Rhetorical question. How many of you use your gifts this morning in our worship time? Yeah, a few of us have. But if you read Ephesians chapter 4, and I was debating what to teach that text today, um, you see what happens in, in Ephesians 4 is, is, is believers get together and they use their gifts. What happens is the church matures. What that means is people become more like Jesus. But it only happens as we use our gifts. So it's really hard for us to really grow like we want to or we need to if we're just casually a part of the church. No, we need to be, be able to meet together 
regularly in an in a atmosphere that allows us to, an environment that allows us to use our gifts. And that's why we have small groups. We have small groups on Sunday morning. We have some on Sunday night. Our desire is to have more of those started throughout the week. But it's small groups of people where believers can get together and use their gifts. And, and, and let's see Ephesians 4 take place where we as believers grow and we become mature. And in Ephesians 4, it always talks about the church. As individuals mature, what happens to the church? The, mature, the church matures and we become more like Jesus. And so that's our, that's our desire. That's our goal. So we love you being here. We love our people um, getting to know you. Um, and we welcome you with open arms. And we would love for you to be um, more involved in whatever way you can or whatever way you're willing to. If you want to ask me about that, we would love to talk to you about that. But we would encourage you. Uh, small groups are, are, are a real sweet time. Uh, sometimes it's like a next steps in, in getting involved in the church. But we love if you feel um, like you want to do that. We'd love to, to talk to you about that. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. Maybe uh, by way of application, maybe one thing we need to do is just think about that, like where I am in, in regard to church, and I enjoy church, I enjoy the people. Uh, do I want to be more involved? Maybe just think about that, uh, ways you can be more connected, ways you can use your giftings more, be around other people that are using their gifts. Maybe for, for some of us here, maybe you're not a part of the church because you're not a Christian. And as, as I read the testimonies, you know, of, of some of these others, they, they, yeah, they knew who the Lord was, and they would say they probably loved the Lord, but they never repented and trusted Christ. And maybe just by way of application today, you, you need to become a part of the universal church, right? You can't become part of the Beaver Church family because you're not a part of the universal church family. And so first thing for you to do is to, to turn from your life of sin and living for yourself, you know, this rebellion we all have in our hearts toward the Lord, turn from that, repent of that, and trust Christ's work on the cross as your own. Believing that Jesus died on the cross for you, he was resurrected on the third day for you, and that through repenting, placing your faith in Christ, you can be reconciled. You can be forgiven, you can be justified, and you can be reconciled to this holy God who loves you so much. If you have a question about that, we'd love to talk to you about that. You're not real sure if you've repented or not. Or maybe you said, yeah, I've repented recently. I'd like to tell somebody about it. I'd love to hear about that. Let's pray. And we've had a good day. We talked a little bit about, like I said, a little bit different service today, but a little bit about our, um, our church, receiving new people into the church. Um, but let's pray and ask the Lord to help us obey in whatever way you would have us to. Father, we acknowledge your goodness. Thank you for your word. And we see that throughout the New Testament these Believers meeting together regularly in, in fellowship and in worship and in prayer and in service. And Father, we want to be uh, a biblical church. We want to be healthy. We want to be a church that gives you glory. We want to be a church that honors you. And Lord, we ask for wisdom to be able to know how to do that. And Lord, maybe there's some here who are, are coming and, and they like our church. They feel like their family could grow here. And, Lord, if you would have them to be a part of us in a more intimate way, we ask that you would just give them the grace to, to, make, to make the next steps. And, Lord, for those that are here, there may be some here. Maybe they're a child. Maybe they're a student. 
Maybe they're an adult and they've never repented and they've never turned to Christ. They've never embraced the Savior. We ask that you would give them a lot of grace, Lord. Grant them forgiveness and, and change their life today. Lord, thank you for our, our, our four new church members. Father, we're thankful for bringing them to us. Again, we ask you would help us to love them well. And Lord, use them to encourage us. Lord, as we sing, Lord, may we have glad hearts, thankful for what you've done for us, your bride. In Jesus' name, amen.